morning. Good morning. Same thing, I guess that's, that's better. Now there it comes. First you got to turn your mic on. Tap into the power, right? So what we're going to talk about today is the, the power of God that's working in us. We've been going through the book of Ephesians and looking at what Ephesians has to say about the church. And, and uh, today we're going to talk about the idea of uh, asking more or understanding that God can do more than we could ask or think. Again, today, as we discuss this, this last weekend we had the opportunity to go down to Gary, Nebraska, and they have a different set of laws down there. They let people shoot off fireworks. So it's a little different. I mean, everywhere you look, there's something blowing up, and it's kind of exciting. <laughs> and it, it, it causes you to stop and, and to think about our nation. And we know that our, our nation has uh, co had a cost. Freedom always has a cost. And people have sacrificed to bring us freedom. But as I thought about it, I thought about what makes America great. It's, it's not the power of our military. It's, it's not the wealth that we have received. Uh, I'm thankful for those things. I, I'm, I'm not diminishing those things. But what makes America great is the power that lives in those that follow Christ. The reason America has been blessed the way it has is because we are built on a Christian foundation. And God offers us the, the power within ourselves as we receive this spirit that he leaves with us to, to follow him and to do great things. And I believe that our forefathers that uh, wrote the Declaration of Independence, that declared us as a free nation, had the leading of God. And as we forget that, then our nation suffers. So let us not forget why we've been so blessed. And so that means each of, the, each of us here today that's a Christian has an obligation, I believe, to stand up for what freedom is about, to proclaim the, proclaim the truth of the gospel, and to, to share that truth with individuals. And as our nation, again, uh, has a revival, which I'm praying for, a revival, and we turn back to God, then our nation will once again honor him in a much better way than we have been. So the 4th of July is, is something that's important to think about and to remember a blessed nation. Today we're going to talk about this uh, in Ephesians uh, chapter 3. We're going to begin with verse 14. It says, For this reason I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family is in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through the Spirit and the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Think of that, to be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you, that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, 
to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. To him be glory in the church. See, this passage, this verse 20 in particular, has been a source of inspiration to us as we, we've, we've come up with the idea that is here in Scripture that we should imagine more for the body of Christ. But today, I'm going to challenge you to have the idea that we should imagine more for ourselves. That we should imagine more that God can do more with us than, than we ever thought we could. And I know there's some great things going on. George, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit. George is working with uh, the state of Jefferson out in California. It's the idea of creating a new state in California that would, all, would honor God. See, that's a big thing, isn't it? That's going to take a lot of courage on his part and those that are involved with that. And that's what I'm talking about today, that God could give us power to do things that we think are impossible sometimes. That would, when I hear that idea... I don't know what you think about it. I'm not talking political here, but the idea of, of creating a new state to me is, is a big job. It's going to take God's power to accomplish that. And see, that, that's the kind of thinking that we need to have is that God can empower us to do more than we think. That's every one of us here in this, in this place, this day, right now. That God can use us in a better way, a deeper way, a more powerful way than maybe we're allowing him to use us. So we look here at in Ephesians, and we, we we're going to begin here with verse 14. It says, For this reason I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Understand this. God's power is working all around and through us. That's the promise here in Ephesians. Ephesians 20. According to the power that works in us. And when we understand God's power, we will bow our knee before Him. Think about that for a minute. Are you bowing the knee before Christ? Is Christ your Savior? Is Christ the one that directs your steps? Is Christ the one that leads you every day of your life? Are you really willing to obey him, whatever the cost, wherever he takes you, and whatever it may require? That's what we're called to do. And so every day of our life, as we go out into the world that we live in, we have opportunity to either bow before Christ or to not to accept what he's telling us to do or not, to take the opportunities that he gives or not. But we need to bow in worship of God. Now, does that mean that, that uh, we go around bowing down all the time? No, that's not the point. The point is, in your mind, are you yielding your will and your heart to the will of God and doing what God has for us? Why should we bow to him? We bow to him because we understand that he is the creator of all that exists. And I don't know about you, but I know this is the time of year when people go on vacations and they, that we go to all different places and we get to see all kinds of beautiful things. We go to the mountains, we go to the lakes, we go to the rivers, the oceans, all of these things. And we see these things and 
when we, when we stand in the presence of God, we realize that he created all of that. And he created all of that for us because he loves us, because he cares about us. And we can't help but have those feelings that I, I often talk about, but I think it's important. When you go out and you, and you feel that presence of God and you look at some of his creation and you just feel the awe. See, that's a, that's a word for worship, by the way. The awe. What is awe? You don't know how to express it. You don't know how to say it, but, but you know there's something powerful going on. And you understand that there's a God. In Romans 1.20, or Romans 1.20 is correct. This verse, it says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. See, God speaks to us through his creation. He touches us. And each of us, in somewhere or another, I think, has probably experienced that, where you stood in awe of God. Maybe you didn't even know what it was. Maybe you didn't understand what that sensation was, that feeling was, but, but you, that's what it was. It was God speaking to you and God proclaiming to you his power. Worship me. Honor me. Love me. See, this is important for us to get a hold of that God is crying out to his people. Now, we don't always see how God works, you know. We, we, we didn't get to see creation, right? But Nicodemus came to learn about Jesus, talk to Jesus, and try to figure out what was going on. And, he, and Jesus was trying to it was explaining to him some things about God that I think are, are pretty important for us to understand. In, in John chapter 3 and verse 8, it says, For the wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And I think that's an illustration that helps us really understand. We don't see God, but what we see is what God does. You don't see the wind. Of course, the joke here in Wyoming is that you see the results quite a bit. <laughs> you see the dust and you see the trees moving and you see all those things. But you can't see the wind itself. It's the same way with the Spirit of God. You don't, you don't necessarily see God, but you see what God does. You see how God moves people's hearts. You see how people deal with things that they're facing in life. You, you see the victories of God. Christians, you see people overcome great defeats in their lives, all by the Spirit of God and by His power. And, and so we see God in those around us, and in our church, and in the body of believers in Casper. We see these things, and around the world, as, as God is moving, we see people do things that we, we sometimes step back and we think, well, how in the world are they able to do that? You read about Paul, and you read about the the tribulations he went through through his life, and you think, how in the world did he ever accomplish those things? And then we begin to understand it was by the power of the Spirit that lives in him. 
And so God is crying out to us, understand that I'm real, understand that I have power, that I have authority, that, I, that I'm alive and well and working. God is working all around us. His power is evident to us. Psalms 121 verse 1 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And if we understand that, there would be no problem to bow our knee before God and to worship God and to trust God and to know that he leads us everywhere we go. Because of God's great love for us, Charles mentioned this, he, sac he sent his son to die on the cross for us that we might have eternal life. And because of, of that fact, we are obedient to God and we love God. And so God puts us in places where it just seems like I'm not able to do this. I'm not able to accomplish this. And that happens, doesn't it? I would never ask you to raise your hand on that one. But I'm sure that there's times in your life where you've probably thought, wow, I don't think I can handle this. But see, that's what God does. He puts us in these places so that his power can be demonstrated in our lives. And I, I was thinking about Acts uh, chapter 4. Uh, Peter and John had uh, healed a, a lame man, and because of that, they, they were arrested. And, and we're going to pick it up here in verse 4 of uh, Acts 4. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders and scribes, as well as Ananias, Ananias, Ananias the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, this is, they're asking Peter and John. They asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man stands before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. For there is, for there is, for there, excuse me, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. See, sometimes when you know Scripture, you start getting ahead of yourself instead of reading what it says. There's, there's no other name by which we must be saved. Do you see this? But what's the power of this? These men are at the risk of their lives. They, they could die for what they had done. They could be executed the way these people were thinking, the way the Pharisees thought at that time. But yet what did they do? They found power that was given to them by God to proclaim the truth of Jesus. And that's what we're called to do. And that's what it's all about. 
There's no other name that by which we must be saved than that of Jesus Christ. And see, his name has been highly exalted. It's been lifted up. If you turn over to Philippians, and you, and you look here in, in Philippians 2, starting in verse 8, and it's talking about Jesus as he's come to earth to be our Savior. Picking up in verse 8, he says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so there's this name, Jesus, that we bow to, that we bow down before. It's the name by which we are saved. He's highly exalted. What does that mean? His name is highly exalted above every other name. It means to elevate above others, to raise to the highest position. And have you ever thought of it like this? This verse tells us that every knee is going to bow before Christ at, at the end of the age. Everyone's going to understand it. Not just the Christians sitting here, not just the Christians you know out there in the world, but everyone will understand that what Jesus said about himself is true, that he's the Savior of the world and every knee shall bow. So here's the thing. You can choose to bow now before Jesus. It will take faith. It will take faith. And, and see, we do this not just once, but many times. We bow to Jesus. We trust him. We trust what he says, and we, and we do it, and we go forward. So we can choose now to bow before him, or we can refuse to bow now. But you will bow later. Now it takes faith. Then you will bow with fear and trembling. Choose to accept him now. Choose to place your faith in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Second thing from these passages in Ephesians is that, is that when we understand God's power, we know we are strengthened by His Spirit. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 through 19 says, That He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of the Godhead to be filled with all the fullness of the Godhead the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit living in you, abiding in you that's power the power that God can give you to go forward and do things that, that just seem impossible that, that's what we need to totally try to understand. See, the Spirit within us strengthens us for the, the, for the walk that we have. In verse 16, it says, He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. God speaks to our inner man. <laughs> he speaks to our heart. He speaks to our mind. 
As we study the Word of God, we begin to understand what God desires. And at the times when we need it most, those things come to our minds. We're convicted by those thoughts. We're led by them. And we know that this is what I should do and this is the direction I should go. But oftentimes, we find a way out of that. See, in the Old Testament, God came upon leaders and, and he gave his spirit would come upon them and they did mighty things. Gideon was an example of that. It, it talks about the spirit of God coming on him and he led his people to destroy the Midianites. Samson is an example. He, as he was traveling along, a young lion came out. And the Spirit of God came upon him and said he ran it like you would a, a, a goat with his bare hands and killed it. The Spirit of God came upon him and did mighty things. But for us, the Spirit of God abides in us. The Spirit of God lives in us. So what's the deal? We need to listen to what God says. When those thoughts come that we should act, then we need to act. That's what Peter and John did. They spoke boldly because they knew that they were in a position where they needed to proclaim the truth about Jesus no matter what the cost. And God supplied the power for them to do that. And he will do that for us as well. Whatever situation you find yourself in, whether it's a, a challenge or whether it's a heartache, God's Spirit will walk with you and abide with you if you are a Christian in John 14, verse 16 through 18, it says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Abide with you. Dwell with you. Live with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. You see the difference. Every one of us can say at times that, you know, I really did something that it's like God just directed me and I felt empowered to do it and I did it. But what I'm calling us to do is to realize that God is doing that all the time, not just once in a while, but all the time. He's calling us to listen and to obey Him, to listen to His Spirit. And we need to realize it's no time to shirk our responsibilities but to stand up. As we think about our nation and where we're going, and we realize our hope is in Christ Jesus. And he's empowering us to change the nation that we live in and the world that we have been given. That's why we send out missionaries. That's why we, we talk to people about the Lord because that's what our hope rests with, is to change this world. So Christ dwells in your heart. And one of the things that Ephesians says is that you may comprehend this, that you can begin to understand where this strengthening comes from. And that's the idea to lay hold of with the mind, to understand, perceive, learn. And so that's the walk that we have. That's that sanctification process that people go through in life where you grow closer and closer to God every day. And you learn more and more about God. And you make a mistake and God lifts you up. And, you, and then you understand and comprehend his love that he can forgive you when you make an error and that you can go forward. 
In Ephesians, it talks about the idea of uh, the width and length and depth and height of God's love. I, I remember when I was uh, younger, we used to sing a song and, and, and something like this. Oh, so wide, you can't get around it. Oh, so deep, you can't get under it. Oh, so high, you can't get over it. You have to come in at the door. Have any of you ever sang that song? Did I murder it or what? Okay. But see, that's the idea. God's love is there. It's present. And you have to come in through the door, which is Jesus Christ, to be saved and to have that indwelling presence of God, the Holy Spirit, living within you. See, he lives in us with his fullness. That's important in, in John 14, 23, it says, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make, we will come, we will come to him and make our home with him. We. So what we're talking about is the, the essence of God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, empowering you and me to accomplish things we never thought we could ever do. That, to me, is impressive. And I think that's important, not just the body of Christ together, but as individuals, he is using you to do more than you ask and think. So if he's using each and one of us, then think about what he can do with all of us, and then think about multiplying this by the world, the number of Christians that there are. Just don't forget what the message is. And sometimes because of the great country we live in and the freedom that we have, we can become complacent about that. And we've never been a nation that's been complacent about freedom until maybe now. I hear it. I hear it a lot. To give up what, what we cherish and hold dear. Christians, we need to stand tall for what's right and what God honors and not just our own choices. Thirdly, when we understand God's power, we know he can do more than we think. And that includes your personal life. We need to start saying, I can, instead of, I can't. Now ask yourself a question. What are you telling yourself? What are you saying to yourself? Are you saying, I can follow Jesus? I can commit to him 100%? Or am I saying I can't? Some of the most simple things that Jesus, God is calling you to do, sometimes we say, well, I could never do that. I'm not equipped for that. That's not who I am. I know I say this a lot, but it's really important to get your head around this, that the only way you're going to find out whether you can do something is to try it. Instead of I won't, it needs to, we need to be saying I will what if God's calling you to go to Africa? <laughs> Anybody want to raise their hand? You're being called to go to Africa? Okay. All right. You got a hand raised. Well, then you got to decide, I will. I will. If God can empower me and get me there, I will do it. See, that's the thing. And that, that, that sounds drastic. But that's everyday thing. Do you see that? Every day of your life. I will. 
do what God says. I will speak when he puts it on my heart. I will share the truth. I will do what he calls me to do. So what keeps us from growing as an individual? You ever thought about it? What keeps us from growing as a Christian? It, it's not so much that you don't have the ability as much as I won't let myself try. You realize that you have great abilities. You know, think of that. You have great opportunities. But sometimes we just kind of ignore those things and get caught up in day-to-day -day activities and forget that God is calling us to do more than we could ask or think. And he's empowering us to do that as individuals, too. Now, again, if you take those individuals that are doing that and you place them in the body of Christ, then imagine what they can do. More than we can imagine, more than we can think. That's what it's, the verse says. It flat out says you can't imagine what I could do. Listen to verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. One translation says, talks about the word amazing. More than we could do. It's amazing. It's beyond our comprehension to get it, to grasp it. But more than you ask or think, God's willing to do that for us. So, those things together, you as an individual, walking the walk that God's called you to, recognizing not to hold yourself back by your own will, but to trust faithfully that you could do that. And realize that I used the example of going to Africa. Well, it might not be that God's calling you to go to Africa, but he might be calling you to talk to your spouse, or he might be calling you to talk to your children, or he might be calling you to talk to your neighbor. It, it's, it could be something that doesn't seem huge, but we tend to find a way to avoid that. You ever notice that? Again, I, I know I'm the only sinner in this church, so I'm the only one that has those thoughts. But the fact of the matter is, don't hold yourself back. Think about that verse. I encourage you to read it, pray about it, and realize that God has more for you than you'd ever think. And God gives you big ideas. Big ideas. Like making a new state. That's a big idea. But you know what? It makes a lot of sense. What's the big idea that God has for you? And are you listening? Or are you holding back? Think big, I guess. Because his power is working to accomplish more than we could ever think. So God's at work. Why is he working? Why is he calling you to do more than you could ever think? Because he receives glory. It's for his glory. Everything we do is for his glory. Let's stand. We're going to sing our invitation hymn. If there's a decision to be made, we'd ask you to come as we, as we sing.